0: So we're starting a new series today called table talk when God comes to dinner how many of y'all want God to come to dinner I do I, I want to know that I have a place at my table in my life that God is always welcome at that God continually sits at I want I want him to be a part of my life and um, you know tables are around for many things of course, I've got it set up to eat because that's my favorite thing. But tables are used for for, for many, many, many things. For, for years in ancient cultures, tables have been used to negotiate. They've been used to, to uh, talk around. They've been used for families to come closer together and to play cards and to play games. And uh, my family's not too normal. We like to play poker, Texas Hold'em. And we 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 don't play real money. We just play with the fake chips, and and for some reason I always win. I don't know if it's I'm the smartest one at the table, or uh, I just don't know. They say I cheat. <laughs> if you ask my kids, they'll say he cheats. You can't cheat at hold 'em. I don't know what they're talking about, but it's been used to negotiate deals to to buy and sell, to complete transactions. Uh, if you go right now to sell your house, you'll go, to the, you'll go to a mortgage company or you'll go to a closing title company and you'll sit around a table and you'll sign your life away and you'll sign those papers that you owe money. Or if you're selling some land, you'll go sit down at the title company and you'll sign those papers. But table, tables have always been a place of importance in the world that we live in. Where treaties have been signed, where bread has been broken, where world leaders have decided the rise and fall of nations, it has all happened around tables. Negotiations for peace accords, negotiations for, for pollution, negotiations for, for what we can do and, and where the dollar will go and, and where this country will go. Tables have always been an important important role and important thing that we've had in our lives of where we've broken bread with friends and with with family members and we've celebrated birthdays and and anniversaries and for Pastor Jennifer, lots of birthdays and (laughs) it's where we go to have cake and punch and lots of the good stuff in life. Tables are important and so we're going to be talking about table talk. The next four weeks all the way into Palm Sunday. And we'll end on Palm Sunday uh, talking about the Lord's table and communion. Uh, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I encourage you, there's a new song uh, called the Communion Song uh, that they just wrote. Go listen to it. Wonderful song. Uh, it, it starts off with the Lord saying, let's have a meal and let me reveal who I am. And uh, just a great, great song. And I um, we're going to be singing it here pretty soon, I have a feeling. But it, I just, I absolutely can't get enough of it. I listened to it all morning, getting ready this morning. I listened to it yesterday evening. Uh, I was in the bathroom. I just started worshiping God, listening to the song, and just broke down and just said, God, I am all yours. Reveal to me who you are, Father. Show me more and more and more of you. And so it's just a great song. I want to start with Luke 14 today. It says, When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't you sit at the seat? Don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited to the party? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed. And you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. And when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Isn't that great? Just want to sit down at the lowest seat of the table, and God said, Oh, no. Come here, i got a better place for you. i got a better place for you. I believe that's what God is saying today for you he said don't just don't don't just take any seat and know that you're going to stay there because I have great plans for your life I got I got great things in store for you in fact today the the title day is enemies at the table so many times in our lives we we invite things to sit at our table that should have no place at our table we invite we invite things into our life to have a place in our life that should have no place setting in our life. Should have no, no place of honor in our life. But, but we, we choose that. And so I want to ask you three questions this morning. If God came to your house, would he have a seat at your table? Would, would he have the most important seat at your table? And, and what is what and who is sitting at your table in a place of importance are, are there things that might not be that relevant in your life that you give place to are there things in your life that that shouldn't be in your life that you say I know you shouldn't be here but I give you the main seat every single day at my table I put you in a place of honor every day because I keep you a Live at my table. How do you prioritize who is seated at your table? And last but not least, when you you get to the Lord's house, what seat at his table do you have, if any? Do you have a seat at the Lord's table? And so today I want to dissect Psalms 23, 1 through 6. And so open with me to Psalms 23 today if you have your Bible with you. If not, they're going to shoot it on the screen. And it starts out like this. The Lord is my shepherd. This is David speaking. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so when you read that the first time, you you just think, well, the Lord is my shepherd. But, but there's more to this verse than what, what David is saying here. David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He's totally in charge. See, see none of the sheep were the shepherds. The shepherds were in total charge of everything. They told the sheep what to do, when to do it, where to go. They guided the sheep. They fed the sheep. They watered the sheep. He is saying, God, you're in total control. You have a place in my life where you can tell me anything, you can do anything you want. You need to shave me, shave me. You need to feed me, feed me. You need to water me. Whatever you want to do, Lord, I am here. And then the next the next little sentence here. And he goes, because you are my shepherd, because I put you at a place of prominence in my life, because I honor you, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, David says. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake." And he says, even though I walk through the scariest places in my life, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are always with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and then you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then he says this Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David's saying, David's telling us there's nothing you can do to earn this. You don't just earn this spot with God. It's not about what you can go do during the week or or what you have done or what you're going to do. There's no way to earn this place. There's only one way you achieve this, and that is, is the Lord your shepherd? Is he in total charge of every area of your life? Have you said Romans 10 13 everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved so I call on his name and he saves me and immediately without earning it without deserving it because I never deserved everything he's done for me without deserving it without any of that I automatically reap the benefits of the Lord is my shepherd I reap all the benefits so how do I acquire a seat at the table? How do you know he, if he is your shepherd? Well, John 10, 27 says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you hear his voice? Do you know he's your shepherd? Do you follow him? Do you read his word? Does it come alive in you? Do you say, I'm going to try my best to follow you? I'm going to do everything I can, Jesus. You're my shepherd. Direct me. Mold me. See, because we get to those points where there's direction and there's molding and there's following. And, well, we come to Frank Sinatra where we want to do it our way. At the end of my life, I don't want to sing that song, I did it my way. I don't don't want to sing that song. I I want to sing the song, I did it. His way. I followed the only way, the truth, and the life. And because of it, I was more abundant. He has to know who you are. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone? And they say, well, you know so-and-so. And and you say, "Uh, I know of them. I've seen them before. Or or you can actually say when they say, you know so-and-so. You know what? I do know Jack. I know him. I know Jack. Uh, we went to high school together, or, or in my case, I know Jerry. I went to Bible school with Jerry. We have shared some of our, our deepest moments together, some of our greatest moments together. And, and I, I've, known him, I've known him almost my whole entire life. I know him. See, there's a difference between knowing somebody and knowing somebody. There's there's a difference between that, I I know who you are, I've met you before, and actually having a relationship with you. See, there there was no doubt in David's voice when he said, The Lord is my shepherd. He said, I know him. I have a relationship. I walk with him. I talk with him. I know his voice because he's my shepherd. He directs me. He guides me. He takes me to still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I know him in every way and fashion and form. I know who he is. I know what he's about. I know where he's directing me and why he's doing it. And even when I don't understand, I trust That's what David is saying here. We have to follow him. Psalms 37, 23 through 24. David said, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. And then he says this. I love this part. This is the best part of of the whole chapter. He says, though they stumble, they will never fall. In other words, David says, it's okay. God knows you're going to mess up. He knows you're going to stumble. He said, but when God's with you, you're not going to fall. You'll stumble. You'll have little moments where, God, forgive me. I, I knew I shouldn't do that. And God's sitting there saying, it's okay. I got this. I've got you by the hand. I'm directing your steps. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. He knows the perfect map for our lives. He wants to hold your hand. Have you ever taken a two-year-old somewhere? It's a challenge. I'm, I'm just going to tell. I I, t- I made the mistake. I took a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn to Disney. Oh yeah, I was stupid. And, and but the four-year-old was great, you know. But you're holding the you're holding the two-year-old's hand and the four-year-old's hand and two-year-old like where'd he go? It's like butter in my hand, you know, just doom, gone. Just running. He saw Mickey Mouse. He's gone. Try to grab him by the ear and just gone. It's, it's almost impossible to hold a two-year-old and a four-year-old's hand. At Disney World, one character walks by and they were gone, like hee-haw. And, and I mean, just gone. I searched the world over and thought I found true love. She found another and she was gone. Anyway, I'm way too old, ain't I? And and so and so you go to Disney World with a two year old and a four year old. You you better have handcuffs because they see something they're gone. And then there was this one ride, Buzz Lightyear, and Buzz and Toy Story was a big deal when when Kobe and Ethan were 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 younger and. And Kobe's like, I want to ride Buzz Lightyear. I want to ride Buzz. Well, we rode it a couple times. Well, he knew the whole drill. All of a sudden, whoosh, there he goes. He's going to the car. He's going to get in line without me, you know. He said, to Buzz, we rode that thing, I think, 463 times. And each time they ask you if you want to buy a picture. By the third time I was wore down, I have a poster of me, Kobe, and Ethan with Buzz Lightyear bought at Disney. That was $462.95 for a $3 picture. And and that's just how it happens. And I think God feels like that in our life. He says, I'll hold your hand, and I'll be your shepherd. But we have a problem following. We just want to yank our hand down and we see something, we get distracted and we, we just go and you don't understand, I got this on Sunday and, and they're having to sell at Dillard's and I got to be there early and we just, chum, gone. And God's saying, I want to hold your hand. I want to I be there for you. I know the perfect map of your life if you'll just let me walk you through it. There's benefits from having him at the table. Verse one, it says, I shall not want. And this is just beautiful. I shall not want. David's saying, when he's my shepherd, he allows me to operate from a place of perfect satisfaction. When God's in control, he allows me to to operate from a place of perfect satisfaction. I really just don't need nothing else but him. He fills all my desires. He fills all my wants. It's no longer a question. I shall not want. And then verse 2 says, he makes me. And that's the part we, we have problems with. Is we don't want him to make us do anything. And, and David said, he makes me. He said, He's saying God is the perfect director if I'll let him be. He makes me lay down. He gives me perfect rest when I'm tired. And then he lays me down. Not only does he just lay me down, not only does he give me rest, he gives it to me in green pastures. I don't know if you've ever seen a pastor. There's a difference between a brown pastor and a green pasture. A green pasture contains life. A green pasture contains growth. A green pasture contains provision. God said, God, David's saying here, God does all this for me. He he not only lays me down, He lays me down in provision. He he lets me rest in in, 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 in rewards. He lets me rest in abundance. He lets me rest with everything that my heart desires. I'm not lacking anything. And then He says, He leads me. Not only is He the perfect director, but He gives you perfect guidance. He leads me Beside still waters. He wants to order my footsteps. He gives me perfect peace. That's what still waters are. Are you tired of chaos in your life? I don't know about you. I don't like chaos. I, I want still waters. Well, How do I get still waters, pastor? He'll direct you there. He'll guide you there. He does all that for you. In fact, verse 3, it says, He restores My soul. David says, he's a God of restoration and redemption in my life. And then after he does that, my soul, he, he gives me the perfect version of me that's available. After he does that, it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of perfect holiness. He lets me go around the things that cause problems in my life. He leads me to a path that's just good, with, with rewards in, in in the path, and then for His name's sake, see everything we do when we're doing it God's way brings Him glory, it brings Him honor, and in turn it brings us reward in our life. Well, what about the bad times, Pastor? Well, David covers that too. He says. Even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for He is with me. His rod and his staff they comfort me. And, and some theologians actually actually believe that when He's saying He walks through the shadow of death, there's actually a place. Some places say there wasn't a place. Some places say there are a place. There is a place, but there is a real road. And on one side of the road, it's the same road this Good Samaritan went down. On one side of the road, there's a, there's a cliff that just goes straight up. And it goes, I mean, it's thousands of feet tall. It's just a mountain pass, just straight up. And then there's this narrow road that winds through there. And on the other side of the road, you got straight, straight mountainside on one side. They go straight up, just a cliff, a rock. There's no climbing it unless you're part spider monkey. And then on the other side, there's there's just this cliff where it just drops straight down. And there's just this flat, narrow spot where you would take your sheep through. And your sheep would have to trust you all the way because there was predators and there was everything else on this path. And and if the sheep went a little bit too far to the left, they'd fall down into the, the ravine and there was no getting them back. They would die. But the shepherd, a good shepherd would take and he'd, He'd guide his sheep in the right direction, and even though, even though the sheep were in, in the valley of the shadow of death, even though they were in this bad spot where, where where they could die at any minute, the shepherd's voice would guide them, would lead them through the right way. And along this pass, there was so-called hills and stuff, and they called it the bloody pass. And there was. There was caves, and there was other places where robbers would hang out, and you'd be trapped on the road. You had nowhere to go but forward, and there really wasn't going backwards, and, and then they if they came up from the front and the back of you, you'd be trapped, and they could rob you and take everything that you had at, at this place in their life, and and David's saying, I, I've been to this place. I know what it looks like, and I know what the gorges are like, and I I know that there's death on both sides if you make a wrong step. But David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's not one thing that I fear. Because his rod, which is perfect protection, his rod resembles correction. It, 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 It it stands for I can take care of you and beat off anything that comes in your way. And then his staff, if I get too close to the edge, I know his staff is going to grab me and just pull me back into safety. See, those shepherds' those shepherds' uh, staffs were something else. They had that big nook on it, you know. We see that nook, and when you watch some of those old TV shows, they take that nook and they grab people off stage that shouldn't have been on there. And uh, it's like that in our life. We start getting too close to the edge, and we we feel a little resistance, and we feel a little pull, and and maybe we feel a big, oh, one of those. Oh, that would cause whiplash. That hurt a little bit. But God was doing it for a reason in your life. He was protecting you. He was guiding you. And then it says, you prepare a table before me. And then it says these key little funny words in the presence of my enemies. See, a table was somewhere that you would sit and eat with family and loved ones and friends. You don't invite your table to you don't invite to your table to eat. Now you can sit around a table and do a trade negotiation or you can do a peace negotiation or something like that at your table, but you don't you don't break bread. You don't have You don't have food, and you don't share food with your enemies. just wasn't called for. It's just not how it was happening. But David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That word prepare means provision. He said, I'm going to provide everything you need. Your enemies aren't gonna get you. Things in life that have been bothering you aren't gonna hassle you anymore. I'm gonna take care of you, is what he's saying. In fact, in the ancient culture of Israel, uh, there was there was a special there's a special set order to preparing the table. It, it was with great detail that they prepared the table. It won you just throw a paper towel and a paper plate on there and you slap some food out of the crock pot. It, it was it was it was a ritual where we where they they took time, and and they did it the right way, and they prepared it. It was a sign of hospitality. It was a precursor to relationship and commitments. That's why you you find meals associated with political agreements at the end of it. After everything's good, they, they break bread together. Of course, the meal that God prepares isn't for the enemy; it's for you. And, and a lot of people have this have a problem with this word "prepare," especially in the culture that we have today. Uh, we we have a nukit culture where we just throw it in the microwave, and there's there's or we we go through the drive-through. But there's a difference, and God says, "I prepare something for you." He said, "I'm taking time to do this for you." And see, we get caught up in this time issue of, but God, I want it right now. God, I I won my meal yesterday. God, I don't want to wait on your perfect timing. And see, that's when enemies get a place at our table. Because we don't want to wait on God. We don't want to wait on the things of God. God's saying, I got a place at the table just for you. And I've prepared it. I know exactly what you need at your table. I know the right substance. I know the right stuff that's going to make you tick. I got the right stuff at that table that's going to meet every desire that you have. But you have to be still and know that I am God. You have to, you have to wait on me. God said, I don't get in a rush. I lay out things in order. Where we get in trouble is when we try to lead God instead of let God lead us. We get in trouble when we, we don't wait for him to prepare it the right way. Instead, we get in a rush and we don't we don't want to wait on those things in those areas of our lives. We want everything and we want it now. That's why there's McDonald's. That's why there's Burger King, your way right away. It's because that's how we want it. The Hebrew verb on prepare is a rock. It describes arranging, ordering, preparing. It even extends to the process of valuing. There's value in the word preparing. There's total order. In fact, Proverbs 9 says says this, and it kind of goes into what we're talking about. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city, come in with me. She urges the simple to those who lack good judgment. She says, come and eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. God is saying, I want you to live and I want you to live full, but you've got to leave the simple ways of rushing your life and rushing things and, and know that I prepared every step for you. I'm just waiting on you to sit at my table and to say, God, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. I want you at your, my table. I've prepared a place for you at my table. My table is all set out. And if you could just see the spread, it's not just grapes and bananas. It's everything you've ever dreamed of. And it's waiting on you. It's all prepared. I've taken the time. God's saying, I've taken the time. I know what you need in your life. I know where your steps need to land. I know what needs to be in your path. I know everything about you. I created you. I didn't create you to fail. I didn't create you to hurt. I didn't create you to live in pain. That's what the Father's saying. He's saying, but you have to follow the process. You have to to wait for there to be order. You have to call on my name. You have to know me. You have to know my voice. You have to follow me, and all these things—the whole table, the whole spread—it's all yours. Just sit down and enjoy it. That's what the Father wants for us. When we seek God in His ways, He engineers our lives so that He so they did display order. You ever seen somebody's life that just looked like total chaos, total disorder? Nothing's in the right place. It's because we get in a hurry and and we rush and we want it right now. We don't have the patience to pray or or to wait for it. God wants us to, to be organized and have everything he set out for us. We have to have the patience to allow God to prepare the table. And we have to realize that there's a difference between Chateaubriand and a hamburger. There's a difference. God said, I'm preparing, I'm preparing the finest meal you've ever seen, but you want it in hamburger time. And if we're not careful, the hamburger's what we get. Because we don't wait for the, there to be order. We don't, we don't wait for His presence. We don't wait for the table to be set in the proper way. Letting God prepare is one of the most difficult things in in a world that encourages intermediacy and immediacy in their life and disorganization. If you want shalom, if you want peace that passes all understanding, if you want the perfect food in His presence, in the presence of your enemies where there's perfect safety, sometimes we have to wait on that. But when we do sit at the table, he said, we sit in the presence of our enemies. It doesn't mean our enemies have a place at our table. It means that God says, when you sit at the table, and I I love this part, you sit at the table. He said, I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And then, then what does he say next? He anoints my head with oil. What's that mean? It, it means that no matter what the table looks, no matter what what happens, when we, we sit at the table in His will, His anointing is upon us. His grace is upon us. And it doesn't matter what we've done. Let me tell you what the enemies at the table are. You want to know what they are? The enemies at the table are your past, and you don't believe you're good enough to sit at the table. You're, you're, you're concerned about what happened in the past. Your past God has redeemed you. He's restored you. And, and a lot of us, it's our present. It's little things in our lives that we've done, and we get mad at somebody over, it and we blame, we blame a person, and in turn, we, we blame that person. We blame God. And then there's blame here at the table. We, we, we blame somebody else in taking ownership, and, and it becomes one of the enemies that sits at the table instead of us. We allow these things to sit at God's table instead of us. And, and, and we can't get to the table because they're, stand, they're in our seat. They're, they're where we should be sitting. We, we got the past sitting in our chair. Or we got, we got blame sitting in our chair. Or we've got others, like I talked about last week, sitting in our chair. Or the, or the world sitting in our chair. We, we, we reap the, the benefits of the world instead of the benefits of heaven. Or it's just that crazy thing sitting in our chair called our own mind. We get caught up in our own mind doing things our own way, and, and we know better. And then there's the guy we blame everything for when he's only guilty of probably about half of it, and that's the devil. We let him sit in our chair because we allow him to speak into our life instead of God, and we allow him to take our chair at the table that God has for us. But when we learn to say the Lord is my shepherd, we shall not want. Look, it's not about your mistakes in the past. It's not about what you'll do tomorrow. God's redeemed you. You can walk through a pile of mud with Jesus and come out looking like a million dollars. You're never dirty. There's no dirty jokes. The white horse rolled in the mud and was dirty. There's none of that in our lives. You can walk through the ugliest, dirtiest things, the valley of the shadow of death, and you come out the other side with a rose because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. They take me wherever I need to go, and they're always with me. And I can't earn it because I called on his name. I just need to make sure my, my chair is always open, and I'm always sitting at the table with the Lord. I'm not letting anything take my place. David had some confessions in his life. In Psalms 37, 25, he says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. David said, I confess that I know that the righteous are never forsaken. He confessed it over his life. He said, I know that God anoints my head. I am anointed. I'm called. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what I've done. Nothing gets in the way of that. Nothing gets in the fact, way of the fact that when I sit at the Lord's table, the oil flows over me. And it represents the covenant that God has made with me. And the devil can't have that covenant. He can't break that covenant. There's nothing he can do to mess with me. Because I am the anointed, called man of God or woman of God, whatever you are. You're anointed, you're called, and God has a place for you. And it's all prepared and it's already. And then David says this. He said, my cup runneth over. I've got perfect joy. And then he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Those are confessions we need to make over our life every single day. Every single day we need to walk. We need to walk into our house in the evening time and said, goodness and mercy just followed me through the front door. Instead of, man, it's been a bad day. My kids are about to reap the wrath of me having a bad day at work. Or my family's about to reap the wrath of what the devil did. That's when we give the devil the seat at the table. We give it to him. He don't take it. Instead, we walk through the front door and say, goodness and mercy just came with me. I'm going to be good to you, and I'm going to show you mercy because Jesus has shown it to me all day long. Even though I walked through some stuff today, he was with me. And David said, because I know how good he is, I know how great he is, I know everything that he's done for me, I'm going to dwell in his house, and I'm going to do it forever. Because he gives me eternal satisfaction. He takes me to eternal places. He is my eternal being that saved me and set me free, and I'm going to eternity with him. And he said, there's no one that can take that from me. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. See, David knew something. And if you knew anything about David, God said that David had a heart after him. He said David was his man. Why? Because every time you went to look for David, David had bad spots on the roof. He had bad things in his life. And he walked through a lot of stuff. But he knew at the end of the day, his God had this. God has got this, and he knew at the end of the day that when he sat down at the table, it was going to be good. God's just waiting for you to sit down. He's just waiting for you to enjoy all the things he's laid out for you. He wants to give you a table of peace, a table of forgiveness, a table of reconciliation. There's some people in your life that you need to reconcile with because you're letting them sit at the table instead of you because you just can't forgive them. They're sitting in your seat because you can't love them because they did something to you. I want to tell you what, most things that become big things in our life were small things that we blew up and are really petty. We make mountains out of mohills all the time. The deal is, don't let somebody else have your seat that God has for you. It's a precious place, a place of love, a place of grace. But when he shows it to us, we show it to others. The table was a place where wars were ended. Maybe there's a war going on in your life today. Maybe you've had a battle going on in your life. And you say, well, Pastor, I'll give some other people my seat. I'll give them some enemies seats at my table. And I know my seat's there, and I'm ready to sit in it today. I'm ready to reap all the benefits that David talked about in Psalms 23. I want all those things in my life because I know He's my Redeemer. I know that when I admit I'm a sinner and I believe in Him and I call on His name, I'm saved. And everything that's bad goes away out of my life. He redeems us. He saves us. He forgives us, but we have to make him our shepherd. If you've never made Jesus your shepherd today, I want everybody to stand with me. If you've never made him your shepherd today in your life, you've never said, Jesus, I need your goodness in my life. I need your hope in my life. We have prayer partners that are coming down as I speak. You can pray with them today. They'd love to lead you to this man that we call Jesus, our Savior. He's my lover. I love to get in the in a small place in my house and just love on him, and, and, and to give him everything. Or maybe you said, you know, I I love Jesus. I know I'm saved. I know I got to see at the table, but I've been been putting some other stuff in front of me at the table. I've been letting some stuff get in the way of me and God, and I don't want that to happen no more. We we'd love to pray with you today and get that settled once and for all. And let Jesus restore you to your place at the table. God wants to do that. You never lose the place. It's always there. You're going to reap the benefits no matter what you do. But it's just easier and it's just better to go ahead and sit at it. We get so tired and so weary that we just choose to fight over sitting down and just relaxing over just sitting down and enjoying a good meal. We'll let a little, a little flare at home get to be a blow up and we'll leave the house and go eat McDonald's when our wife had cooked a steak for us because we get mad. We let the little dumbest things get in the way of just relaxing and enjoying the presence of God. God said, goodness and mercy will follow you all your days. He doesn't want us to dwell in the valley of death forever. He just wants us to take us through it and bring us to the other side. That's what He wants in your life today. Let's pray. Father, I just thank You for Your love. Father, I thank You that You're my shepherd. I shall not want. Father, direct me. Guide me to those green pastures. Make me lay down, Father, in them. Let me rest in Your perfect presence, Father. Lead me to still waters where everything is smooth and peaceful. Lead us to those places today, Father. And even though I have rough times in my week, I know your rod and your staff, they comfort me, Father. They protect me. And I thank you, Father, right in the middle of all of my enemies, I have a place at the table. Where you anoint my head with oil, Father. And my cup, it just overflows from your goodness. And I thank you, Father, that that goodness and mercy, it's going to be with me all week long this week. And all the days of my life. Father, I want you to have the, the number one seat at my table this week. And every week to follow, I don't want that there never, I never want there to be a place in my life, Father, where you don't have the best seat in my table, where I put you as the priority over all the rest of the guests in my life. I want you to be number one. I thank you for your presence in this place today. I thank you that at your table there's healing. At your table, Father, there's order. At your table, there's protection, Father. And Father, at your table, there's no chaos. There's just perfect peace. Let us just dwell in that all week long this week, Father. What you want to do with the people, do it with our people, Jesus. What you want to do with the church, do it with our church. In your name we pray. Amen.